Welcome to part one of Health System CIO's interview with Craig Richardville, Chief Information and Digital Officer for SCL Health. In this segment, Richardville talks about the juggling act of standardizing across the system while also acknowledging the needs of different types of facilities, how his team is leveraging chatbots and analytics to guide decision-making and manage communications, and how the pandemic has highlighted the difference between vendors and vendor partners. As much as 80% of patient information is unstructured and stored outside of an EMR, Highland Healthcare helps complete the patient record by consolidating and connecting this unstructured content to core clinical systems. With a full suite of content services and enterprise imaging solutions, Highland gives clinicians a single view of all documents and medical images associated with the patient via the EMR, enabling more informed health decisions and improving patient outcomes. Highland Healthcare, see your whole patient. Visit highlandhealthcare.com to learn more. Can you start with an overview of SCL Health, uh, what you have in terms of facilities, where you're located, things like that? Yeah, we are a $3 billion healthcare system. We are faith-based. We have eight hospitals, three states, and approximately 600 employed providers, and about 4,000 providers practice at our facilities. Where are you guys right now in terms of the pandemic? We're in the process. We started a couple weeks ago of scheduling electives, primarily like same-day electives, things of that nature. We're starting to see a a little more growth going into our clinics and into our hospitals. We're reserving capacity for the potential of a surge, you know, moving forward. Uh, we've changed a lot of processes, a lot of workflow, patient flow in order to accommodate uh, both during the crisis coming out of it and then being prepared if for whatever reason one of our states uh, backtrack in terms of their progress. So a lot of good new learnings coming right. out. That's how we sit today, continuing to get guidelines from the governor's office and following those and being very receptive. I know our CEO is engaged in some of the discussions that go into guidelines that do get shared. So we've got some input, but it's, uh, it's tough for everybody. Okay. Are you primarily in Colorado? We are uh, in Colorado, Montana, and we also have services in Kansas. Okay, so I imagine you were dealing with a situation where parts of uh, the system were certainly uh, hit harder than others. Yeah, we do have urban and rural and uh, big business and small business. Being in the different states and even different parts of the state, uh, there's a little bit of uh, discretionary that goes into some of that. So a lot of complexity going into, you know, how do we handle this? And it's very similar, I think, to what you've seen nationally. You know, many of these are guidelines or they're rules that you have to follow for specified conditions or a specified period of time. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a, a juggling act to make sure that we don't move ourselves to a single way of doing things because all of our environments and many of our communities are different. So we, uh, we, we kind of have a, a system command office and then called incident command team. And then we have one at each of the uh, different care sites in the system office as well. 
Okay. Now, in terms of uh, how how the pandemic really uh, impacted IT and uh, what your strategy were, can you can you kind of walk through some of that, like really what you looked at early on? Yeah. So really, for us, you know, when you kind of first got into the crisis, there was a um, a continued learning and understanding of what the crisis was, what it was going to impact, how it was going to impact things. You started seeing different things across the globe. And us, like many others, are trying to learn from what has already happened in order to be prepared for what could happen here. The thing that we had already geared towards, so we already we leveraged all of our work, so we created within IT a new structure. We're also the digital services arm of the organization, so we're IT and digital services, and our name's ITDS as a result of that. We developed okay. about 10 programs last year. And, and dozens of projects under each program. So it's very structured and disciplined of how we move forward, balanced our resources, the measurements of success. Then as we started to go into COVID, there was you know, a reaction that had to take place in order to keep the business moving. So you had to move people to be remote. You had to harden in industrial strength, your virtual capabilities, you had to educate people on a different way of doing things. Uh, and those were all things that we had already in our plan, but we had to accelerate it mm-hmm. tremendously. So we continued to focus on digital services. Uh, that has great returns and also allows us to be able to touch many people at one time. So we stood up a couple of chatbots, uh, one that was external to allow potential COVID patients or people who have an interest to work through decision-making process being guided by a bot that we also had one internal for occupational health for our employees who needed to learn and to also go through similar type of a new workflow and kind of digitize that workforce because the call centers and the traditional way of how we would have handled that kind of communication information in the past couldn't handle the volume not only of the calls but of also the changing information how quickly it kept evolving. So those were things that uh, initially right straight off the bat. We started looking more, as I mentioned, into analytics and chatbots. The chatbots helped us process a lot of the uh, common questions and thoughts that were coming through or concerns. The analytics really helped guiding our decision-making. So we ramped up the analytics, we ramped up the data component. I like to make sure we separate data from analytics. Some people like say calling it data analytics, data and analytics. So the data component found out that we had different processes and some of our care sites, some of the information that we were capturing, we thought would be similar because of the workflows or the processes that were in place being different. The data was different, uh, the way that some of the information was being documented. So there was a whole effort to clean up the data component and something you weren't tracking, especially a lot of things around some of the equipment, the mask, the rate that masks were being used, what kind of mask, what kind of ventilators. You know, we had four tiers of ventilators, of ventilators, not just a ventilator. We had anesthesia machines, converted to ventilators. We had a lot of different things that we haven't necessarily have had to, had to track, even the number of IV poles, you know, that you had to have. So there's a lot of different things going into place that really helped us to clean up our data better. We still, we have a lot of work to do to harden that and make sure we don't fall back to bad processes. But there's also other processes that 
may not have been valued at this time, but will be moving forward. So this has allowed us to be able to identify some of those, fix some of them, and now we're gonna have to really harden that, that work. Uh, so analytics became a big part of how we were understanding what was happening in our country, in our state, in our communities, and also then here. And then how we we're going to use that to be, to drive our decisions, where we we're gonna move equipment, move resources, uh, flex it down possibly in some areas, and retool people, retrain people to work in different environments or different skill sets that we wouldn't have to go external for some of it where the peaks were at. So we use data to be able to drive a lot of that decision-making and our chief information officer, Mark Korth, and our chief clinical executive, J.P. Morton they really took a hold of how we were going to operate differently than what we had in the past and be able to not react as much as respond to the virus. So all those kind of came into play. And then you started seeing a lot more discussed about consumers and patients and really making sure that we understand volume impact versus the value of taking care of a patient and start to have a different mindset. You know, so as we come out of this, when volumes aren't as dependable as what they were in the past, you have to learn how to run a business with lower volumes. And that moves you into the value proposition that we've been talking about for a decade of which yeah. at a fixed PMPM in place, and I am taking care of people, preventing them from coming to the hospital, keeping them healthy and well, addressing their concerns, they're not coming in for no reason. You know, all those kinds of things would, would play very high in a value world. In a volume world, you need them to keep coming in order to get the revenue. So there's a whole different approach now, in my opinion, of how we need to continue to disrupt ourselves uh, within healthcare. I do think the crisis allowed us to disrupt ourselves versus the technology that was coming in. They were going to do things to us and force us to work in ways that we may not be comfortable with or have done in the past. The crisis changed a lot of that. And so now we are doing things a lot differently. We are thinking what the future to be a lot different than possibly in the past. And also the acceleration of that new world kind of coming in sooner rather than later. And I think, you know, what you had to look at, too, was you had to have the idea that you were a tech company, that you were a retail company. You had to earn the, the right from consumers. You had to be fast and efficient with a digital workforce on the tech side. So we had to learn to be what some of those new disruptors were going to be and to integrate that as part of who we are, to have that tech company, retail company mindset. And the last thing I'll say on this one is we really were able to distinguish between vendors and partners, which has always been very close to me, is people who are more of a commodity product or service are vendors. And those that are partners that really want to join you in the fight, in the crisis. And so as we were going through this, you saw people even outside of healthcare that stepped up and started providing PPEs or making ventilators, things that were part of being part of a community versus what is your specific role in the community versus those that wanted to take it as an opportunity to potentially, you know, give you something for free for a period of time and, and then charge you for it later, where they were looking at more as a sales opportunity to come in and get something in that mm. to remove. So for me, we really had hardened a lot of 
who was a partner. We already had developed some key relationships with a handful of big companies, but also the hundreds of other ones that we work with. There were plenty that came to the table to help join in that fight, whether it was through discounting or joining us you know, at the hip with providing the service or getting things out in play, creating our search plans and also the execution of those plans versus again, those that were really looked at as an opportunity for them, uh, who would be a vendor yeah. who I wouldn't want to do business with in the future. I would have no desire to do so. Right, a lot of really great stuff there. I want to keep talking a bit about the vendor partnerships because that's that's something that's really interesting. And you know, you said that you had these relationships in place. Maybe if you could just just talk about how you approach this to make sure that that it continued to be partnerships where they were helping you. Yeah, you know, I can rattle off a few of them. People like Google, ServiceNow, Oracle ERP, Nuance, Dell, HP, Salesforce. They really all came to us to help us during this transition and offered services or products in a way that it was not kind of a sales lead, but more to help mm-hmm. you get through the struggles of what was happening. Epic was fantastic in, in trying to assist. It really was, in my opinion, a, uh, a very nice way to um, to be able to understand, it's kind of like if you have a crisis in your family, you know, the friends and the family that contact you to help you uh, are the ones that you remember. Yeah. So the people that reached out and came right, right. in good faith to help us get through this, you remember. And those that either didn't or came through it that you could tell yeah. were a totally different angle, you remember that as well. That's true. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.